This is In Search of the Pluriverse. We are Sophie Creer and Eric Vong. Join us in our search for a world in which many worlds can thrive. We were invited by Het Nieuwe Instituut to be the first curators of their traveling academy. For more context, go to pluriverse.hetnieuweinstituut.nl And follow us on Instagram at In Search of the Pluriverse. Maybe you know that. We're sitting on a bench and I've seen this bench all over Spain. It's like yeah. the classic yeah, it's public like space piece of furniture. And Sophie and I love this bench. Do you know anything about it? No. Because in Madrid they're all over yeah. the place. It's, it's always the same. I think they are just uh, a serious uh, design. That But is you don't know who, it, who designed it? No. That should be interesting to know. Yeah. Because they did some updates. We saw some quite ugly new versions but nothing beats this one yeah, and I the, must the say that it one. sits quite it you know mm -hmm. it sits well don't you think yeah the wood one is more comfortable because they are making some uh, metal ones that is hard to to stay there yeah but it's sort of yeah it has For this edition of our search for manifestations of the pluriverse, we tune in to the layered landscape of central Asturias in Spain. We encounter large-scale extractivist industrial activities and a patchwork of small-scale rural caserias, self-sustainable farms. In every conversation, we sense the remnants of the Franco regime and the civil war that linger on unrepaired. We traveled here wondering if the strong working-class identity of the region with its unions, strikes and hard-fought victories, still lives on today, as the industrial decline that started in the 80s carries on. At the same time, we see that tourism and leisure are becoming an important economic activity and that rewilding is high on the agenda of policymakers, making it food for marketeers who advertise Asturias as a natural paradise. Reality is obviously way more complex than a marketing slogan. Will the workers' culture of solidarity and struggle be the social foundation for Asturias' future? And can this future be a plural future that doesn't deny Asturias' pastoral past and ways of helping each other out? So we're on. <coughs> Welcome, Anna. We do this talk and you hear the sort of the industrial buzz in the background. It's a, it's a perfect location for this talk, actually, and it's a perfect day. But where are we, Anna? We are in an old uh, shipyard area uh, that now was converted in the uh, 90s into a, into a beach. So we are in between uh, the, 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 the open shipyards and the port that is full of containers and ships and traffic. And they made this quite beautifully elegant, artificially made beach mm -hmm. for the people to, to recreate. Um, we're in the city of Quijón, we didn't say that yet. Um, do you come here in your free time as well? Yes, it's a nice walk actually uh, from the city center because you are uh, crossing the, the old shipyard um, area. Uh, so you have like some abandoned 
industrial places uh, mixed in between with old houses and also with uh, the urban fabric. So it's all the time like this mixture that is um, like a be becoming a traditional thing in, in Asturias, this mixture between the abandoned and the, the industrial sites. And still the sort of the rural, mm -hmm. you know, past is also visible or there's, there's a lot of rural space in mm -hmm. between these, yeah. these large scale industries. Ana Carreño, you're 32 years young, I would say. You were born and raised here in Quijón. You studied architecture in Galicia mm -hmm. and you worked several years as an architect researcher in Copenhagen. You came back for a master's program in Madrid and that kind of naturally flow or flowed into a PhD trajectory and you're still in that trajectory. And for this PhD, you do research two post-industrial landscape sites here in Spain. And one is here in Asturias, it's the town of Aviles. Mm -hmm. And one is in Andalusia, um, which focuses more on, um, because you, 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 your, your focus is on post-industrialism, mm -hmm. but you see tourism also as an industry. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that's kind of interesting because this other place in Andalusia, Torrevieja, yeah, is in uh, Valencia. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that place because it's not industry as here, it's not steel industry, but it's more like leisure industry. Yeah, it's uh, focusing the laser. These two cases, uh, they, uh, I choose them because um, they have quite similar trajectory as cities. Both of them focus in uh, hard industry. For example, in the case of Aviles in Asturias, it was a small village uh, until the 50s, 60s. And during the Franco dictatory time, they um, promoted and they uh, implanted their uh, the steel industry and the shipyard uh, industry to, to build up ships. So in like 10, 20 years, it uh, quadruplicated the, their population from 20,000 to 80,000, like very quick. And uh, in Torrevieja, it happened uh, the same, but with tourism. So it was a really small village in the Mediterranean coast. It was like some a small settlement uh, and they were focused on agriculture and the salt industry. So in the 60s, during this um, politics um, open to the to the international tourism, um, they started to promote uh, tourism and construction. So the other side of the economic um, strategies in Spain were, of course, this autarkic industry that uh, became really strong during the 60s and the 70s, but also this uh, tourism dynamics and construction industry was really, really strong during this time. So that's why I, I choose this um, two case studies because I think they reflect in a really good way this uh, post-industrial era that I'm also uh, studying here. So you could say that you're interested in um, how we deal, how we and the landscape and the built environment and we as humans deal with change. And that the change of the landscape is not at the same pace as the change of the economy, for mm -hmm. instance. And what happens with these deserted sites or these places that become, uh, uh, you know, 
that they don't function anymore as the way they, sh they, they should function. I forgot to say that besides this PhD in Madrid, you also have an architectural practice, mm -hmm. and that's uh, mostly for now based here in Gijón. So you sort of commute, or you not commute, but you live partly in Madrid and partly mm -hmm. in uh, Gijón. And two years ago, uh, Anna, you, um, during COVID, you participated in a residency in the Art Center Laboral mm -hmm. here in Gijón. And that resulted in an exhibition about uh, the deserted mines around the city of Aviles, because there's a lot of mining. There was a lot of mining activities there. And that's not actually far from Gijón. How far is it? It's, it's 20 minutes or half an it's hour only by car. Super yeah. close by. Um, and the exhibition contained photography projected onto 3D printed objects mm -hmm. that you fabricated in the, in the fab lab, in the sort of the techno yeah. lab of the, of the beautiful center of Laboral, where we later this week or tomorrow, in fact, mm -hmm. we're going to have this group conversation. Um, and you told me before that you worked a long time in, in, in defining these 3D printed objects. But what did these objects represent? Where did they come from in the end? They were uh, some buildings and some uh, objects that we can find in every industrial city, like for example the cranes to build up the shipyards, the smoking towers uh, from the steel industry in Aviles, and at the same time some uh, like banal, the advertise, uh, advertisement uh, panels, for example. The billboards. Exactly, the billboards. Uh, but also some uh, representative constructions from Aviles, as uh, the new uh, museum, uh, the new mayor museum, and also the, um, the old uh, facades in the city center. So I was like trying to make this uh, kind of Scenery between the common scenery of the industrial cities and the declining industrial cities, that uh, they have this really huge sense of belonging to some place, but at the same time, is like uh, industry was part of this um, process of this personality of the theory. So I was just trying how to how to um, express. That so I started to play with uh, architectural tools like uh, 3D and some stuff, making up like these uh, kind of objects, but in in a separate manner. Of course, the for example the the facades were only the facades, like with uh, like really thick um, objects. Yeah, you, actually, you created a fragmented landscape exactly. that you also talk about in your mm -hmm. thesis exactly. or in your in your yeah, written exactly. work. We so, talk about we're going to talk about oh, that okay. later. Great. Um, but first, I want to get back to to your youth because mm -hmm. you grow up here. So that's we cannot leave that out of the yeah. talk because I think it's interesting information. You were born in the late 80s, 1989. Yes. So what is your first memory of um, the industry? Maybe you were still aware of of some strikes of miners or uh, sort of the, the the union vibes that come from this area. Can you dig into your childhood memories and come up with, yeah. with an image? It was uh, more like this. I think this uh, sense of the guy was something uh, already here during the 90s and the late 80s uh, due to this um, industrial reconversion that took place in the in the 80s for, for Spain to join the, the EU. Uh, they were asked to 
like dismantle in some way this uh, strong industry to be competent and to join the global market. So in the late 80s and the, and during the old 90s, Asturias was in, in a continuous and long uh, process of decay. So I remember like, of course, it was, the industry was really strong still, but there were like strikes all the time, uh, some protests, but also a lot of uh, social problems. So it was like this sense of a gray, um, gray region, for example, like Manchester or Glasgow, kind, kind of, of like. Bleak. Yeah. Exactly. And do you, as a child, do you incorporate that sense of decay or that sense of failure almost? Not personally, mm -hmm. but as a region but or as, as a, a region. I think so. Yeah. 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 When I look back uh, at that, I think it it was always there this feeling of decay, of uh, being like nothing and anything at the same time. It's not not easy. No. <laughs> And you, um, because I think for our listeners and also for me, it's interesting to paint like a super fast, we take big steps, mm -hmm. to paint a picture of the industrial history of Spain because it's, it's kind of differs from the rest of Europe because there was this civil war, there mm -hmm. was this Franco regime for a long time. So Spain joined the EU quite late mm -hmm. from the perspective of, of yeah, Northern Europe. Um, so maybe starting with the industrialization of Europe as a whole, like in the late 19th century, maybe you can take us with big steps through industrial history. In Asturias, you mean? Yes. Or Spain? Yes, from yeah. the historian's perspective. Asturias, and maybe Spain as a whole, when, um, when, it, when it's yeah, relevant. In Asturias, I started in around mid-19th century uh, with the uh, mining uh, industry first and then with the steel one so as, as it was a really um, so they were mining coals exactly. and steel and steel because um, and, and of course it was a really um, humble region so uh, most of the of the money for uh, for making up the industry became from um, people in uh, from England and industrialist from, yeah, like, yeah, industrialist uh, like the new rich exactly. industrial elite the, the, the rich people from there that have some money and want to invest they came to to Spain but also mostly uh, to Catalonia and to and to Asturias and to the Basque country uh, so it was yeah from England from uh, Belgium and from France. So after that, um, I mean, the, the industry was developing quite uh, fast here, but also it has the, the problem. I mean, as you can see, the landscape is not uh, helping too much because uh, Asturias is really like full of valleys. It's really green, it's really natural, but at the same time, it's uh, really industrial. So uh, after that, I mean, like just jumping to the, to the 30s. Well, it also has a, has a, a very strategic position mm -hmm. uh, towards yeah. the ocean. Yeah. So the accessibility from the sea is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, we are like really good connected. I think it's better uh, through the sea. I mean, from navigating instead of with the rest of Spain because of the, of the mountains. So uh, they used to, to bring the, the coal and the steel 
to the ports and then just moving the the material to the rest of Europe by ship instead of by road or, or by train. But at, but at that time you say the industry was also quite autarkic, so there mm-hmm. was... There was a lot of production for for Spain itself. For I mean, for Spain itself, it was later on, because at first it was for like international this international uh, industrialist. Uh, so after the Spanish Civil War, in the uh, it was from 1936 to 1939, and then it it came the Franco uh, regime. So one of the of the economic strategies from the Franco regime was to to nationalize all the all the big industry in Spain and to build new one, but in a very autarkic way, just to to produce something that we have to use and uh, the the workers were really good and really productive, so it was like a the inner uh, economical circle all the time, uh, so it was. All for all for Spain. So it started out, out pretty internationally mm-hmm. in the 19th century exactly. with these these sort of international mm-hmm. in, yeah. industrial first industrial investors. Mm-hmm. Then we got the civil war and the Franco regime, which made Spain quite isolated or exactly. quite focused on itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that lasted till the day Franco died, yes, in basically 1975. in 1765. Yeah. What happened after that? After that, uh, with the new governments, uh, they tried to open Spain again. So in the in the, during the 80s, they were uh, trying to to join the EU to just to forget in a way this um, long period of dictatorship. For Spain to join the the EU, they were forced to do an um, industrial reconversion. It's called that. It started in 1981, I think, and it lasted to. 1986, when and, the, and the, the, that means that, um, that that the nationalized companies should be opened up. Exactly. So Spain should open up to the to the global mm-hmm. world market. Yeah, to the global market again. So of course it was uh, in one hand I would think because uh, Spain were put like stronger uh, itself in in the global map. But at the same time, uh, lots of industrial areas were dismantled. So uh, lots of people were losing their jobs and uh, it bring um, lots of social problems that we are still struggling in a way. For example, in the case of Asturias, I think they, we are just like moving uh, with the flow, you know? I mean, it's of course difficult to think about any strategies uh, like in the global capitalist uh, I think we're all sort of victims of the global (laughs) economic system. It's uh, hard, you know, to to change the view. So I think that's probably why this uh, new focus uh, on this tourism and uh, Cultural stuff. I think it's just the, the easy, the easy way to to fix it. To get out. Mm-hmm. But yesterday you took us on an uh, on an industrial walk, sort of a post-industrial mm-hmm. walk. But it was not so post-industrial. It was quite active. Quite so now the coals are not mined here, and the and the the iron doesn't come from here. It's being imported mm-hmm. from China mostly. 
but it's processed into steel still here and it's, it looks quite successful. Is it successful or do you think it's ending or how do you see that perspective for the steel industry or the, 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 the big scale industry here? I think it's, it's successful, but um, the companies right now want to move it abroad because of course it's cheaper in other countries. So there is always this um, conflict between um, staying here because a lot of people in the region depends on this uh, industrial and steel industry still, because of course there is the, the main steel fabric, but also uh, all the surroundings. There are like lots of smaller ones that, uh, that depend, on, depend the on the bigger it's ones. It's like a system. Exactly, so it's, it's a huge system that depends uh, on that. So. Every time that the main uh, industry is thinking about moving abroad, there is like a protest. So there's still this, this sense of vulnerability and, and mm -hmm. insecurity. Yeah. So, uh, Anna, let's, let's focus more on your uh, perspective for your research. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the current post-industrial landscape that you love and that you study. And I quote here something from uh, one of your essays. You talk about the post-industrial landscape as a spate of indefiniteness, the heterotopia, and you got the heterotopia term from Foucault, and it is a state in which the concept of place is dematerialized. So the link between architecture, processes, and information is broken. And that results into spatial confusion, which I really like as a word, is the spatial confusion. So we're spatially confused right now. You could also ex uh, describe it as a place that has lost its function, mm -hmm. but still has a memory of economic production. So economic activity and landscape get separated, it gets fragmented. That's a beautiful way of looking and thinking about the landscape. Can you dive a bit deeper with us into that? Yeah, sure. I took the this uh, cult um, concept because I think it represents very well uh, what I was trying to, to reach, that is this um, sense that you are in a, in a space, but it's like an non-space at the same time. I mean, it has so much um, information and uh, you are feeling something, but you don't know what it is. The same as uh, this kind of uh, confusion or fragmentation, you know, you see uh, some all vegetation, some old structure, like uh, maybe half of a building, but is um, the, the nature is um, getting there uh, once again, and you could see some I don't know some old clothes, uh, some garbage, some it's like a, a mixture of all the time, and I think um, in in some in a lot of these places that I'm uh, researching. Is happening in this like you are maybe walking and suddenly you you found just um, a small terrain or a street that it has uh, like a small path or a small place like that. So it's it's I think it's happening all the time because of this um, speed that we are uh, taking all the time. You know, like we are. Uh, running from one place to another and uh, we are changing our jobs, our uh, house 
or wherever. So I think this, uh, at the same time, the, the landscape, we are projecting that in the, into the landscape. Of course. Yeah, but at the same time, the landscape cannot keep up with exactly. us. Exactly. And how do you, because you are a photographer mm -hmm. and um, you use photography in your research, so how do you um, visualize this spatial confusion? Do you mean with the, well? With you take your series. camera everywhere, yeah, and so and and your photography is part of your mm -hmm, of, of, of your research. of the research. How does that work for you? Uh, normally, I I do some previous research uh, at home uh, with my computer, like just trying to to look for spaces that I can um, like travel there or walk there with my camera, and then I just prepare like one day. Okay. Today is for shooting, so I'm going there, like uh, <laughs> walking and uh, just jumping around, um, avoiding <laughs> avoiding the people and the workers there. Trespassing, you yeah. you love to trespass, I think, like climb not too climb over places. fences. Not too forbidden <laughs> places, but sometimes yes, because uh, some abandoned places are still like uh, half closed. Um, yeah, and when we talk about the abandoned places, we we, we talk about the mines mm -hmm. for a big deal, right? But yeah. Because we also talked about the steel industry that is still yeah. kind of functioning. But the mines are really... What's the Close, word for that? Mean? No, or, um, they don't have a function anymore there. Ah, uh, no, they are in disuse. In disuse, yeah. yeah. So they are closed. Um, of course, this is... Um, more dangerous to get in. The tunnels, of course, are closed. Uh, most of them are filled with water, but still you have some some of them that became museum, so you can just um, go for a day with the, with the proper clothes and the helmet and everything. <laughs> to get the mining experience. Yeah, exactly, like <laughs> tourism, uh, of course. <laughs> uh, you have the, the good experience of the hard working <laughs> in the region something like that. Because that is one of the possibilities or the scenarios mm -hmm. that cities like Aviles uh, and also Quijón mm -hmm. are looking for. And maybe a really good example is Bilbao, which is also a, a city in northern Spain. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can say something about it. So the industrial function is fading, but there's a growing middle class. Let's invite a famous architect. Let's build this sort of fancy, super spectacular museum and try to attract an international crowd that visits the city and mm -hmm. sort of gets a new economy of leisure, yeah. like art consuming, staying over, eating out. Let's let's try to start that, to take a part of that economy in Europe. Yeah, maybe you can say something about that tendency. Yeah, it, 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 it became a tendency during the 2000s. And of course, Bilbao was one of the of the inflection points, I think, in especially in Spain, because it was a really, um, really huge industrial city that after the steel industry went more inter internationalized, uh, they invest lots, lots of money in regenerating the, the theory and the estuary and uh, the, the old city center. So they cleaned the story, they, they made this um, 
like cultural and, and recreational area along the estuary, but of course they invited Frank Gehry, that is uh, a well-known architect, and he built up this uh, Guggenheim Museum uh, building. So it became like a proclaim for, for the people, for the tourists, but also for people interested in, in art, of, of course, and it worked very well. So after that, in Spain, they were appearing these kind of uh, architectures that uh, they just invite an important architect. But in Aviles, that also happened yeah, on a smaller exactly. scale, with, maybe, but it happened the with same. Niemeyer, yeah. They were planning to regenerate all the, all the former industrial area that was in the estuary. Uh, they were shipyards to build up um, ships, but also to move the, the steel from the steel industry in Aviles to the coast. So uh, they were planning to make like, it was called an innovation island with a new technologies hub, but also with this um, contemporary art and culture museum uh, that was uh, uh, Oscar Niemeyer's um, design. So they built up the, um, the museum first and they were kind of expecting that it was going to be like a boom or something like that. And of course, it's, it's working uh, at some way because I think um, the inhabitants from Aviles, but also in Asturias, um, they feel like, okay, we have this, uh, this nice building here, this nice area, like reconverted in, in something that we could use and we can walk there but it's not the solution for, for everything. So right now it's kind in the middle. I mean, you are in the Niemeyer, but you could see the chimneys uh, working on. Yeah, because I'm thinking about all these steel workers and miners that are out, had that old working class. Mm -hmm. Not every mine worker can become a barista in, exactly. a, in, in, in a fancy cafe that's, mm -hmm. that's in the vicinity of the Geary Museum. Mm -hmm. And in the slipstream of these bigger projects, of course, because I, I really think this beach that we're at at the moment, that was also like a, a shipyard. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of sandwiched in between like two big industrial sites. But it looks quite as a commons, you know, people use it. There's a lot of pension people now because it's a beautiful autumn day. So people are sort of relaxing and having yeah, coffee. And swimming and having coffee or a walk with So in dogs. that sense, it mm -hmm. works. Huh? Mm -hmm. We cannot only be negative about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. While looking for the perfect spot for our talk, we pass three women on a bench. One of them is singing. She says that she used to sing a lot when she grew up in the countryside, at home and in church. Singing is a strong tradition in Asturias, especially among women. When she moved to Quijón for work, she says, the singing stopped. Oh, 
cuando sube... No, pues tú tienes buena voz, ¿eh? No, no, que tengo la garganta. De las alergias que tengo ya no tengo la garganta como tenía. No, pues canta muy bien. Sí, 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 bueno, yo muy, canté, canté desde pequeñina, ah, sí, sí, porque antes era lo que había en los pueblos. Claro. Te mandaban a la misa. But in the bigger picture of, of classes and, you know, sometimes it feels like that the world becomes a glossy magazine, you know, mm -hmm. we just fly over to, yeah, to, to Bilbao and, or to Aviles, to, and to the these, all these and the gastronomy. Instagrammable yeah. places. Mm -hmm. But what? But it's all kind of fast. Huh? Mm -hmm. You have fast fashion, but you also have fast leisure. Mm -hmm. So you, you fly in for a day or two and you leave again. But what kind of impact does that have on, on that older social structure that's under it? Yeah, it's, it's hard because, uh, for example, well, as we were talking the other day, of course, the, the people here use these spaces, as for example, the Nimeir, it has a really nice um, urban space. So the people goes there to skating, for example, to, to walk, with their uh, pets or with their family. But at the same time, there are like uh, so open spaces like uh, without so much personality as it used to be with the industry. So I understand that in a way they, the, the people are happy uh, with, the, with the change because they feel that it's um, like a makeup uh, on the on the old industry or industrial scenery, and I think at the same time they are a bit um, sad about losing some of the landscape that they used to participate in it, because of course most of the industrial buildings once they are um, once they are dismantled, uh, you you lose some of the landscape that they used to be. So I think it, it's like this, it's hard at the same time, you know, because you, you feel confronted with yourself, like, okay, I'm happy because we are uh, getting there somewhere. But at the same time, it's like, okay, it was like uh, our history for more than a century. And after that, it's like, it's, it's a kind of, uh, heritage, the industrial one, that I, I don't think that we are not like um, taking care of it properly. I think in, in this kind of uh, regions that it was uh, part of our of ourselves. But we're still, as you mm. say, in this time of spatial confusion or in this heterotopia. Mm. And that also, of course, it comes with, with misses and lost things, but it also comes with opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, apart from you being a researcher, which you love, you're also built or you make. So you do contribute to uh, the change of the mm -hmm. physical environment. What's in your practice and in what, what's, what's feasible for you? Um, what is post-industrialism post for you? <laughs> uh, for me, post-industrialism is a complex mix about uh, all and new stuff about informations and architectures and constructions and vegetations is uh, like all this put together in a cocktail something like that and i think it's uh, what is 
inside and outside us, you know, we are like having lots of thoughts all the time. And it's, it's like that in the, for me, in the post-industrial landscape, you know, you are like constantly uh, seeing some uh, billboards and some um, panels in the in the shops and all the time, like information, information, things. And then about my practice, of course, it's, it's not uh, quite easy to, to extrapolate all the research to the, to the practice because, yeah, of course, I have to eat. No, but <laughs> that you can also not exactly, solve all these complex problems. The thing, the thing is that, uh, I mean, I'm, I think I'm pretty lucky because most of my works uh, are uh, restorations and uh, to reuse old buildings and old houses. So in a way, I, I'm happy with that because I can work uh, in, in, in what I consider a proper way to, to reuse uh, architectures instead of um, forgetting them or just to bring down some building to build uh, another one. And you work on a, on, on a sort of a human scale. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're going to invite you for designing the new fancy <laughs> um, so. art museum in... <laughs> no, or neither the, the competitions or whatever, or prizes. I'm, I'm more interested in the day-to-day um, -day work and one-to-one -one, uh, chat and meetings instead of, of huge um, recognition of start architects. Okay. So now we're slowly walking back. We were walking in, in s on some kind of promenade and we're going for a coffee, eh? mm -hmm. Anna? Yeah. We deserve the sure. coffee. I think so. <laughs> but uh, while walking, we were talking about the longer scoop of things. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about, how you were saying that this sense of insecurity or vulnerability has been here forever. Yeah. And it's something um, that we use. At least from my whole life. Uh, what I was telling Eric is that um, this industrial decline, it, it, it didn't took place like in one year or in one decade. It was from the 80s until now. So it's a long process, it's a continuous process. And so this uh, confusion in the space and in the landscape and in the social environment is, uh, is like uh, continuous and forever like it's, it's becoming something inside us i think yeah and things are happening at different speeds so mm -hmm. the decline goes slowly mm -hmm. but the development of new economic exactly. models go really fast exactly so should we embrace the confusion <laughs> i think so. we have no choice <laughs> <laughs> i think it's uh, something that we have to to be aware of that and deal with it. I think uh, once we are aware of that, it's easier to understand uh, the world that we are living in. Okay, Ana Carreño, thank you for this thank conversation. In Search of the Pluriverse is part of the Travelling Academy, an initiative of Het Nieuwe Instituut 
in close partnership with the Consulate General in Istanbul and embassies in Germany, Morocco, Spain and the UK. The Travelling Academy brings together makers from these regions and the Netherlands to learn how formal and informal ways of knowing can support each other in tackling ecological, sociopolitical and spatial issues. <laughs>